0: This episode is brought to you by Gato Negro Wines. Find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash
1: Wine. Check them out on Instagram, username Gato Negro Wine. Sip the terror of your favorite TV series with Gato Negro Wines. Gato Negro, adored everywhere.
0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead.
1: Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 319, recorded on Thursday, April 6th, 2017. Thanks for
0: tuning in everybody. This is of course our feedback show for the season finale of The Walking Dead, but I don't think it's going to be the last feedback show we do for the season finale. Really, Chris. Tell me tell me why. Well, when there when the season finale rolls around, we tend to get a lot of extra feedback, and although we have quite a bit coming up here on this episode, there's still like 40 to 50 emails sitting in the email account unread. Well, not because I didn't want to read them or not because I'm not intending to read them, but because I just haven't had a chance yet. And uh, once I do, and I find all these amazing questions and comments and theories from listeners, I'm going to want to put them on the podcast. So maybe next week we'll do more feedback. We'll have to see. That sounds
1: good. I like that.
0: Absolutely. I think it's a great idea. So we have lots, as I said, coming up on this show. But first, of course, one last time, I want to remind everybody that our Record Your Favorite Scene Contest for Season 7 is winding down, coming to an end. And the deadline for entries is Monday, April the 10th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, because that's what we're in right now. And uh, that's from, well, from right now, about four days away. So I hope you download and listen to this in time if you need one more reminder. But uh, otherwise, just pick your favorite scene. Hopefully we get some from the season finale. That would be super cool. And uh, record it with your family or friends and then email it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Our winner will be announced on Monday, April the 17th when... uh, After you and I have had a chance to deliberate and choose the winner. And uh, that's when we'll, we'll record again and let everyone know who it is. Cool.
1: I'm looking forward to it.
0: And then sometime after that, usually what I've done in the past with these Record Your Favorite Scene contests is put out an episode that has just all of the entries on it. So some you've heard, some you haven't heard. And I kind of do that as a, uh, just as a full podcast episode. So I'm not sure when that will happen, but it will happen, uh, soon, soon after we announce the winner, probably. That sounds like good fun. Or or maybe I'll wait until sometime over the summer. I haven't decided yet. (laughs) Whatever. Random,
1: (laughs) random thoughts, you know, whatever your whim. uh, you know, whatever the fancy strikes you, just, uh, do it. That's what I might do. All right. Well, um, so get those entries in talkingdeadpodcast
0: at gmail.com. It is not too late. Uh, Unless it's after Monday, April 10th
1: at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. (laughs) It's not too late right now. Unless you're listening to this after that date and time. There you go. Oh, my God. It's so confusing. Very, very confusing. Get get them in as soon as you can. That's that's a good policy, as soon as you can. All right. Let's uh, jump right in, Jason. Sure. Listener Feedback.
0: All right, so as I said, this is not all of the feedback, but there it uh, is a good chunk, and we might do another show coming up in a little while. But our first feedback for today is a phone call from Ginger in
2: Arizona. Hi, Chris. Hi Jason, Ginger from Arizona. At the end of the episode where uh, Maggie and Sasha are sitting on the log, you guys thought that that didn't happen. Well, it did. It happened right in front of the barn right before Aaron found them. So it was right before they found Alexandria. Thanks for listening. Um, Thanks for the podcast, it's great. Bye. You
0: know what's funny about that call from Ginger? Uh, What's that? I could hear us in the background. She was listening to us while she called in to leave us a message. Wow, that's so meta. Isn't that weird? It's kind of freaky actually. Yeah. So anyways, I would Ginger reminds us, or mostly me, because I think it was me who said that the scene involving Sasha and Maggie sitting on that log watching the sunrise. I think I actually said sunset earlier. But sunrise, sunset. The sun's doing something on the horizon. That's right. Exactly. Um it is actually from season five, episode 10, which was called Them, and that was the first appearance of Aaron. It's right after that big storm where yep. all the zombies were stuck in the trees and they spent the night in a barn. Um, yep. that's, that's where that was from.
1: Ah, huh. I didn't remember that scene. I do remember when Aaron showed up in that, uh, that whole episode in the barn. Uh, but I didn't remember that scene. Thanks, Ginger. Yeah. So I would, I mean, and I, and I do need to acknowledge
0: here the probably hundreds of of people who emailed, called, tweeted, you know, did everything they could to remind us of that. It was rather overwhelming. So. Came to your house, put signs on your lawn, that kind of stuff. Someone just put a sign on my lawn earlier tonight. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) idiot. You idiots. Don't you remember this? It actually happened. (laughs) Yeah. Here's the thing though. When I, on Monday, when I was saying into this microphone that you know, this is all sort of in Sasha's mind. This is her, you know, imagining something as she's passing away. I had this feeling in the back of my head that like, you know what? I, I don't know if that's true. I feel like I've seen this before, but I can't put my finger on it. And the reason I decided to go with the idea that it was um, in her mind is because we already had flashbacks to her and Abraham. And I'm like, well, I guess we got you know, we, we, we're we not getting another flashback. We're having something that she's imagining. Cause why would you do two different flashbacks in the same episode? And for that, fun and profit, apparently. Well, and that logic clearly doesn't hold up because they certainly yeah. did. So, uh, that's, that's just the way my brain was working at the time, but I acknowledge all of the people who wrote in and corrected
1: me and, uh, there it was. Me too. Cause I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all good. Thanks, Ginger. Okay. Next we have a call from Tara in Albany.
3: Hi, guys. This is Tara from Albany. I've been listening for a long time, but I've
2: never called, so hi. I wanted to say that Sasha told Eugene that she wasn't going to take
0: the pill before she got into the box, and then she did, which was interesting because it kind of changes the way – I don't know if you guys realized that you said the other thing because it kind of changes – the way they had that conversation and the meaning behind what she said to him and stuff. Um, and that's it. I think I love the podcast and I hope you're well. Thank you, Tara. I hope you're well as well. <laughs> we are. Well, yes, we are. I'm well, you're well, uh, everybody's well, good. Um, Now, what Tara's referring to, of course, is when Sasha, Sasha, and Eugene were walking down the hall and talking about the the allergy medication, remember? And, um, she tells Eugene, I guess, that she's decided, changed her mind, meaning she's decided not to take it. Yeah. Um, but of course, that's not how things played out. She, all along, has, was deciding to, you know, take it while she was in the, in the coffin, um, but I think we misinterpreted that, or at least I did when, 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 uh, we were talking on Monday. So it, it does make a little bit more sense here that she would tell Eugene uh, that she's, you know, not going to go through with it.
1: Yeah. She's a liar, liar, pants on fire.
0: <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in a couple of ways. But thank you, Tara, for pointing that out. Uh, I didn't even really pick up on that on two watch throughs of the episode. So, uh, maybe it's not just me who was confused. Maybe there are other people that were confused.
1: Probably, but uh, you know, don't blame them. No, Just no, blame no you. Still, still my fault. OK, thank you for that.
0: Brooke in Columbus, Ohio, sends an email and writes, "I thought the finale was amazing. I was literally screaming at the TV when Shiva took out that savior, and when Carol and Maggie showed their badass sides again. It was great. The only thing I wanted to comment on that made me scratch my head was how much from the previous episode seemed to go unaddressed. For example. Whatever Sasha did before she was captured in Sanctuary. And what came of Gregory leaving the hilltop with Simon's map? I assumed he was the little bird, and I was totally wrong. Both of these seem like important parts of the story, and I was a little disappointed we didn't get more answers there. What are your thoughts on that, and do you think that these are things that season eight might go back and touch on to fill in the gaps?
1: Well, I kind of hope they do touch on them and fill in the gaps, because I want to know what came of that, but there's such little things that I don't think that they would come back. We have so much going on now in season eight to cover uh, that little things that they may have, you know, let dangle in season seven, they may not come back to. Well, I'm I'm quite
0: uh, convinced that they are not going to bother going back to what Sasha did before she got captured, right? I think yeah. I think we've decided that, or somebody decided that that wasn't really the important thing there. The important thing was for her to get captured, come face to face with Negan, get her hands on that pill, and, you know, execute that plan. Even though she didn't have the plan at the time, that's sort of where it went. So I don't think we're going to see anything more about Sasha. She is dead and gone, <laughs> I'm afraid. Yeah. But as for Gregory, I think... For sure, we're going to find out what happens with him. I think early on in season eight, we will most likely see Gregory arriving at the sanctuary, or if not arriving, we'll find out that he's there and he has now taken up residence there. And what that does is it opens the door for Maggie to truly become the head honcho at the hilltop, right? Which she's already done. I mean, she, she led them into battle at Alexandria. And then she was standing on that stage at the end with Rick and Ezekiel. So she's really the leader now. And Gregory going to the sanctuary was just,
1: you know, it
0: was the show's way of getting him out of the picture, at least temporarily.
1: Right. So he, he may, they may gloss over some stuff, but he'll show up as part of the saviors maybe.
0: That's what I think. Yeah. He'll show up as part of the saviors or he'll have some sort of role there. Um, You know, or maybe he'll be given a job, like he'll be sent back to the hilltop as a savior spy or something like that, you know, now that they're at war.
1: Uh, Eugene's intern, I think he's going to be. (laughs) Yeah, why not? Have Eugene order him around. I think that'd be fun.
0: That would be hilarious, actually, and, and kind of perfect, actually, for that little (laughs) scumbag. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I like that. Let's say Eugene's intern at, at the sanctuary. Yeah. All right, next we have an email from Jason in Philadelphia. I like the end of the season overall, but what I want to bring up, uh, I want to bring up something about Sasha and Rosita. Sasha's heroic, heroic death aside, she and Rosita suck. Oh. I'm talking specifically about their suicide mission against Negan in the Sanctuary. Negan made it pretty clear in the woods that if you do something fucked up, he doesn't punish you, he punishes your friends. So their attempt to kill Negan was bound to cause a backlash against Alexandria at a time when they are out trying to find guns, also uh, known as not ready. Uh, It was just luck that they found the guns they needed in time, and if they hadn't, uh, if they hadn't, Alexandria would have been fucked. It also gave Negan a hostage to use against the group, and only Eugene's intervention stopped that. So Jason
0: in Philadelphia is basically just saying that Rosita... And Sasha were careless and sort of reckless and gung ho in their in their attitude, and their actions, and almost screwed up the whole thing for everybody.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because uh, yeah, if they if they succeeded, then fine, whatever. But if they failed, they're going to get a backlash, and the backlash is going to come at a time when Alexandria's just not ready. But luckily, they were well-ish. I mean, they were ready-ish,
0: you know. Well, Had... they thought they were ready. They thought they were ready. But if Dwight hadn't shown up, they had no idea that these saviors were coming the next day. So saviors would have rolled up the town and Daryl would have been standing there and they would have had nothing to give them. Or maybe the saviors would have found all these guns that they had amassed and said, what's the deal with the guns, you guys? So, I'm just saying, like, it it could have been much, much worse Because Sasha and Rosita went and pulled that stunt, basically, the suicide mission.
1: Stick with the plan.
0: Well, that's why people have plans, right? Stick with the plan. You need a plan.
1: You need a plan. You can't just go off half-cocked and do things, uh, you know, go off cowboy and uh, do things on your own like Maverick would.
0: (laughs) As in Maverick from Top Gun?
1: As in Maverick from Maverick, the TV show and the movie. Okay. The only Maverick I know is from Top Gun. No, there's Maverick. It was um, uh, the guy who played. Oh damn it! I'm back to 80s television and 70s television. Sorry, Maverick's a TV show, and there was a movie with Jodie Foster. Look it up. Okay, maybe I'll look it up. Should I add it to my list? No, don't bother. <laughs> All right, the list is our. The list. list is pretty long, you know, and some of this stuff you're not going to get to. So, just just look it up though. Yeah, <laughs> it up. exists. I promise.
0: Okay, fair enough. I'll I'll confirm that. Anyways, you know, maybe Sasha and Rosita's plan was a little half-cocked, as you say, but it I think it made for some exciting TV. And we're going to get into some emails later on of people who disagree, but I'm still fully, almost 100% on board with this episode, so I can look past a few things like Sasha and Rosita's poor decision-making skills. Right. All right, thanks, Jason. Next is Perry in Oregon. I thought Sasha was thinking of Negan when she said only one person has to die. Her taking the pill came as a surprise to me up until a few minutes prior. It does remind me of Sasha and Rosita's conversation in their sniper's nest about how Abraham would have wanted to go out fighting, how he would have wanted his death to mean something. In this way, Sasha's death can have meaning.
1: Well, ideally. I
0: mean, ultimately it didn't, but it could have. Well, it did. I mean, if she hadn't have, hadn't have zombied out of that coffin, um, then there would have been no distraction for Carl to start shooting.
1: All right. Okay. So it was, it was, it was a dis- distraction, but you know, her intent was to kill Negan, wasn't it?
0: Yes. Her intent was to kill Negan for sure. Um, but she, in you know, unintentionally saved her friends basically. Right. Right. And, uh, that's okay. So her death did have meaning. And I think, I, I think Sasha's death on this show was one of the, the better ones we've had of a main character. And I feel like people are going to tear me apart for saying that, but I don't care. <laughs> I, I I thought it was good. I liked it. And, uh, what are you going to do?
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm on board. Her, uh, death had meaning, not the meaning she wanted, but, uh, the meaning she got.
0: Yeah. That's, that's still
3: meaning.
1: That means sure. something. <laughs> it means something. There you go. <laughs> All right. Next is an email from Anna in Wales. It was an okay episode. It took far too long for the action to start, but at least I like the tiger now. It would, I would have totally rage quit the show if they ended on, on another cliffhanger with Negan standing over Carl with a baseball bat. I think they they could have cut 10 minutes off the beginning of the episode if they left the Dwight stuff until next season, and his change of allegiance didn't actually affect how the fight at the end went at all. Right. So I thought that
0: was a good point. They included the Dwight stuff, he showed up. The only thing, the only reason to have that in this episode is to give Alexandria the warning that the saviors were on their way the next day. But his input and, you know, what he was there to do had really no effect on anything other than, I guess you could argue, he slowed them down by cutting those trees down. But other than that, it was really unimportant. And all it did was tell us that Dwight is, in fact, you know, defecting to the other side.
1: I thought that... Dwight was not defecting, that he was a double agent and he was actually all working for Negan. And the reason he went to say that Negan was coming the next day was to uh, incite the standoff so that uh, Alexandria would go and get the scavengers and bring them in uh, so that the betrayal and all of this stuff could happen at a time and a place of Negan's choosing. Because if Dwight hadn't have gone and done that, it would have been up to uh, Alexandria to plan when the ambu- when and where the ambush was going to happen, and it uh, it may have not been as clearly under Negan's control in that case. That's a so good that, point. Because... That's why I thought that Dwight went to to do this.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Uh, because you're right. If Alexandria doesn't know they're coming, they don't invite the scavengers over, and. And, uh, there's no opportunity for the scavengers to execute the double cross when yep. Negan is there and Negan needs them to do that at the right time. Right. And how's he going to control that? He's going to send a man in to tip off, uh, Alexandria.
1: Right. And with a plan, you know, defector with a plan is something you, you, uh, you don't trust. Right. Right, 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 right.
0: As you said, well, that's, that's a really good point. Um... I'm probably going to have to
1: leave it there. <laughs>
2: yeah. Because,
0: uh,
1: uh, you know, I'm still not entirely convinced that, uh, well, that little soldier that, say, didn't know is kind of like a, a little, I don't know. I still think he's a double agent and he's playing both sides. And uh, if not a triple agent, crazy bastard.
0: Yeah, well, triple agent, that's just hard to keep, keep straight in your mind. I mean, you don't want to be a triple agent. Uh, but you're right. The little soldier that said didn't know would... Um, would indicate that he's actually trying to help Alexandria, kind of. Yeah. You know, unless it's a long con and he's just trying to be confusing, you know, and not make his allegiance known to anybody.
1: Yeah. I don't know what's going on with
0: Dwight. Okay. Well, I have an idea, but I think we should probably move on. Is it my turn?
1: It is your turn, my friend.
0: All right. And this is from Alex in Seattle. Hey, Chris and Jason, I'm sorry, but I have to disagree with you. The season seven finale of The Walking Dead did not live up to its expectations. Here are my reasons. One, Sasha's death was predictable, and her timely zombie convert- conversion was way too convenient. Strike one. The battle royale was too one-sided. Only the non-essential Alexandrians died, and none of the main characters did, even though they were all in a line of fire. Strike two. The effing CGI tiger. Enough said. Strike three. Number four, where is Judith? She's at the uh, hilltop, right?
1: She's at the hilltop being taken care of by... Enid. E- Enid? Except she?
0: Enid was in the... Was Enid in the battle? <laughs> I don't remember seeing her,
1: actually. She's taking care of Judith. Let's okay. Let's just leave it that.
0: Alex goes on. Personally, I would have been happier with Carl dying and then Rick going nuts and at least wounding Negan. Speaking of which... It took me a while to realize who JDM's inspiration was, and then it hit me. Slick back hair, jeans, white t-shirt, leather jacket, frequent use of the word cool. He's the evil Fonz. He's the evil Fonz. That's awesome. Mic drop is what Alex says. (laughs) (laughs) He's the evil Fonz. He does kind of have the same outfit, at least. He does. Yeah, you know, I don't know if he's got the Fonz vibe going, but
1: maybe if the Fonz used more bad language, I think the Fonz would use more bad language. I don't think Henry Winkler would, but I think the Fonz would. If the Fonz was, you know, really the uh, the, uh, the the jacket-wearing hood that uh, that he portrayed on 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 the show, he'd be using a lot more bad language. Maybe not around, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. C, because he's you know he's a nice guy. But, you know, once he's in his, uh, his garage and Richie and, uh, you know, Potsy and Ralph Malf come over, uh, he's going to swear up a friggin' storm, I bet you.
0: What, uh, stupid question, happy days. Did that take place yeah. in the fifties? Sixties? Fifties, yeah. Fifties? It aired in the seventies, but took place in the fifties. So give us a little sample of fifties profanity that teenagers might use, Jason.
1: You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not
0: so sure that's it. <laughs> I bet you, I bet you there's other funny fifties, uh, fifties swearing that we just don't know about because we're not yeah. a thousand years old. <laughs> the funny thing is in the
1: seventies, when they first pitched this show and they wanted to, uh, set it in the fifties at the time, they didn't think that the fifties had, uh, was defined enough as an era to be able to pull off a, uh, a show like this. Really? Really. It's like the nineties now, right? I mean, it's just, the 90s is just starting to become, uh, you know, a, a structured thing in the uh, in the zeitgeist, whereas, you know, in the early 2000s, it was just the 90s, you know, what really, but now that we've had a little bit of perspective, we can really see what the 90s was. Uh, you look back on the 2010s or 2000s, I mean, it's just, it's sort of this nebulous thing, but in 10 years, that will also solidify into a structured decade of... Uh, uh, of nostalgia, back in the seventies or the early seventies, the fifties wasn't a thing. It just was like the fifties. What are you crazy? That was just like ten years ago. I mean, but yeah, now, that's right. obviously, and thanks in part to Happy Days, it's a structured thing. It's uh, you know this this thing. Well,
0: I I could see the Fonz hanging around in his garage with his friends, dropping a lot of heavens to Betsy
1: or Gadzooks or Dag Nabbit. <laughs> I don't think so. Come on, he's a biker and a uh, a mechanic. Maybe the odd... He's going to be swearing up a friggin' storm. Like, geez, frickin' Louise. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but um, not around Mrs. C, because she'd shut that shit down.
0: Yeah, she probably would. Um, that's right. <laughs> I love the happy days. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyways... Anything else about Alex's email here, Sasha's death being predictable or or just convenient that she was dead at the right time and came out of the coffin?
1: You know, it kind of was because we know that uh, dying and coming back as a zombie is uh, variable, like when that happens. So it is pretty convenient that she knew exactly when to take the pill so that uh, she would die. First of all, she knew how long it would take for the pill to kill her which I don't think we knew that uh, exactly. So she knew how long the pill would take to kill her and she knew how long it would take to turn Mm -hmm. or at least the, the minimum time it would take because it doesn't matter how long she's in that casket as a zombie, right? She could be in there for 30 years. Who gives a shit? But she had to know that she would die and turn into a zombie before it opened because you know how awkward it would be if it opened and she was just dead. <laughs> just flopped out forward. <laughs> flopped. I was like, damn it. Yeah. Somebody stab her in the head. <laughs> or maybe uh, she was still alive and she was just kind of, you know, you know, shaking on the ground, having a seizure of some kind or a stroke or whatever the pill does to you. It would be like, oh man, what happened? And Eugene's like, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> it's not because of a pill I made, that's for sure. No, she must've run out of air. Well, they tried to
0: address it when she was going in, right? She asked how long the the drive was there. And Eugene says two hours or at least two hours. So they they tried to give us some information that would lead us to believe that she would have a way to estimate, you know, how long she'd need to stay in there before she takes the pill and this and that. Because you're right, right. She needs to be a zombie, but then why not just take it as soon as she gets in or as soon as she can hear the car moving or feel the car, the truck moving so she, she knows they on the way. Well, that's her- what I was thinking. That yeah.
1: she, you know, she popped the pill. That's what she needed the water for. You know, give me a bottle of water. It'll be fine. She take the water. She listens to tunes. She dies. She turns into a zombie immediately. And, uh, you know, Bob's your uncle. She can come out of the, uh, she can come out of that casket. He's a blazing.
0: Why didn't she still have the, uh, earbuds in when she came out as a zombie?
1: You know, I just kind of let that go. I thought of that when it was happening, it would have been funny with, you know, zombie with an iPod. Yeah, it (laughs) would have. Music blaring out of her ears. I think that would have been funny, but uh, I guess they didn't want it to be funny. So uh, I I don't know, maybe she dropped the iPod. Maybe just the casket stood up. Oh, probably, yeah. And it pulled them out. Yeah, because at that point, she wouldn't care about the iPod, right? No, probably not. She had a residual memory of, you know, being an iPod Where Maybe, you know, in life, if she wore an iPod, Every day she'd hang on to that iPod in death.
0: Maybe you're right. And I think maybe a zombie wearing some earbuds is just a little too social commentary <laughs> for the show.
1: Yeah. And they <laughs> I know see how those many people... lawyers Apple has, right? So they don't want to just let's just not go there. Yeah. You maybe know? killing time when you've got a commute and nothing to look at. Fine. Coming out of a coffin as a zombie attacking somebody with earbuds in and, uh, uh, you know, uh, YouTube blaring in the background, bad.
0: Yeah, I see zombies sitting on, well, I see people that look like zombies wearing earbuds sitting on the subway all day, every day, so.
1: Yeah, I'm one of those people, except they don't take the subway or wear earbuds. I do both. I did that the very thing today. So you're a zombie. You're one of the zombies. Uh, well,
0: you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I ride the subway at least a few days a week, so. When people sit next to you, do you go, Ugh. Well, I don't sit down. I always stand up on the subway.
1: That's good. Unless it's case. empty.
0: Like if it's if there's seats everywhere, I might sit down. But if there is a seat in between two people, I never take it because I just don't like sitting down in between people.
1: Well, that's good because, you know, the way I figure it is if you happen to pee yourself, you don't have to sit in your pool of your own urine. You're it's right. Just, you know, if you're standing up, it just runs down your leg. You're good.
0: I'm much more comfortable in that. case.
1: <laughs> I know just, from experience. It's just my two cents. <laughs> All right, good. All right, next we have an email from Dan in Durant, Iowa. Uh, Dan writes, no main characters died in a fierce, Close Quarters machine gun-fueled battle. Hell, only three of them even got injured. Rick and Rosita were shot, and Michonne got beat up. Not even any of the named survivor characters died. Uh, Savior characters. Savior, sorry, sorry, that's right. Savior characters died. Shiva could have at least eaten a rat. Uh, The reason I loved, past tense, The Walking Dead was because it would show how things really would happen. Not everybody lives. When the options are bad and worse, the good option doesn't come out of nowhere and save the day. Scott M. Gimple continues to shock us, but not in a good way. This was a show that had real stakes. There are no stakes anymore. Uh, It is not that I want to see someone die. It's just that I feel that's how this should play out. Uh, When you're surrounded by people with machine guns that enjoy killing people, somebody's going to die. The cast is so large, we can afford some thinning.
0: Am I wrong? I don't think Dan is wrong in a lot of ways. I do agree that the cast could be thinned a little bit. It is very big now. We have three or four or five different communities full of people, and we are seeing what's going on in all of them. So... I kind of agree the cast could be thinned and like him, I don't want to see them die because I I like these characters for the most part. I think of them as my friends (laughs) and, uh, and I don't want to see them die. But think remember back in the day when Shane died and when Dale died and when Andrea died and everyone else who died and Lori died. You mean in the first and second season? That's right. Back in the day in seasons one and two. And those were... Those were incredible deaths. Those were big, shocking moments for this show. And as much as I didn't want to see Shane die because Shane was a fun character, he did. And it was okay. And I think the show was, at the time, you know, really good and maybe made better for it. But we just don't seem to really get that anymore, do we? No. Not in the don't. same way. Anyways.
1: I-, I agree with Dan. There's no stakes. I mean, really, who's going to die? We, The only people that die are... Uh, you know, Sasha died and that was, if it wasn't so expected, it would have been cool. But like, we knew it was going to happen, right? Oh, I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes it kind of takes away from it. Uh, cause it doesn't feel like it was one of those stake characters that, uh, like, holy shit, I can't believe they killed him. Like that happened with Glenn. I wasn't expecting Glenn to die.
2: That's Glenn a very, died. that's a very good that point. That was awesome.
1: And that was only
0: 16 episodes ago. And that, so that's pretty recent.
1: That's pretty recent. So, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think you're right in that a, uh, a huge, uh, there was a lot of bullets flying. I mean, it's hard to hit anything, but just sh- through sheer numbers, you know, uh, you, you shoot three bullets, one hits to the, you know, two meters to the right, one goes two meters to the left, you know, st- statistically speaking, that third bullet's going to go right down the middle <laughs> and hit somebody, right? Yeah, I guess so. Well, so,
0: maybe if more people had been injured in the fight like you know maybe if um um i don't know who who i don't it doesn't matter who but like maybe if we'd had a a hospital full of injuries or something it would have felt a little bit better um but what i was going to say before is you're right we had glenn and abe die in the premiere we had sasha die in the finale is that enough is that what we want we want big ish deaths in big episodes and nothing in between, or would it be better to surprise us once in a while, you know, have a character die in episode six instead yeah. of eight or one or 16?
1: Well, Glenn was a big one for me, right? Like that came out of nowhere.
0: It did, but it was still in the season premiere. I know it came out of nowhere, but what if Glenn had died in episode three? Would Does that make a difference or does it matter?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it would be nice. But Dale died. I think this, uh the second last episode of season two, which I thought was awesome. Right? But, yeah. Am Am throw I? you know throwing a death every now and again just to keep things, uh, you know, amped up, or so that uh, we, you know keep us off our toes, or yeah. on our toes,
0: on our toes. Yeah. The the other thing to consider though is the people or the characters on this show that I consider the main, first tier, primary characters are a small group of the ensemble, and I think to a character, they are virtually untouchable. And for me, just off the top of my head, that's Rick, Maggie, Michonne, um, Carl, uh, who else? Let's just go with those four. None of those four are going to die. It's just... Oh, and Daryl. Daryl was the other one I was thinking of. Those five characters are safe safe 100 safe in my opinion at least until like the end of the show the final season something like that so they're not going to kill those off so we've got people like aaron and um um eugene and the priest father gabe yeah um which in a way are major characters when they have their own episode and tara you know Terra, yep. but they're not primary characters and they could die at any time and Sasha's one of them, Rosita's one of them, I feel like it's just not the same
1: as, you know, a a, a Maggie or a a Daryl. It is, I mean, but just imagine if Stephen Ogg died, if Simon died. Yeah. Oh, the horror. The
0: horror, it would be
1: terrible, it would be absolutely terrible,
0: but I bet you he dies in some time. You know, well, yeah, I, he's
1: he's got to die because you know, frankly, he's got he deserves his own show. Is what happens is that he needs a damn show all to himself where he's the uh, where he's the star. So that's you know, I'm okay if he dies off this show and uh, gets gets something cool. Yeah, fine. either HBO or you know something good, Showtime, maybe Showtime, maybe not AMC or HBO. I think would be the best way to go.
0: What show did he show up on recently? Oh, Westworld.
1: He was on Westworld. Yeah. He was on. Um, uh Better Call Saul. It was on an episode of Better Call Saul. Just one though, right? Just one. It was fucking awesome. I don't remember him on Better Call Saul, but Oh, it was it was he was standing in there was three of them standing there. It was uh, it was Mike, Stephen Og, and some other guy uh about to go do a job with uh with some dude that right. was trying to pick the three of them up. Okay, yeah, I don't remember, but I love the show. And then Mike said, he brought it, it's like, what's in the bag? Is your gun in the bag? No, it's a pimento sandwich, and that's what he brought. Uh, You know, and Stephen Ogg said, I got three guns that I'll tell you about. (laughs) Right. And then Mike said, you know, if I need a gun, I'll take one of yours. Okay, very good. I I love Stephen Ogg. Go back and watch it. It uh, was an awesome episode. I love Better Call Saul,
0: too. Well, he's going to die someday, but anyways, all I'm saying is, the show is in a way, painted itself into a corner here where they've set expectations for big characters dying, but now they have a set of characters that they probably are afraid to kill off.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. They're moneymakers now. They're, yeah, they're uh, absolutely terrified of killing these characters off. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And they, they couldn't do
0: it. It would be just so difficult. So we're going to have to be satisfied with Tara and Rosita and and Father Gabe someday being killed off. and. I'm not going to like it, but it is what it is. Yeah. I, I mean, we could probably lose Carl if we had to. Uh, you know, a small part of me was hoping Negan would actually hit him in the in that in the season finale. It would yeah. it would be a departure from the source material. Sorry mm-hmm. if that's a spoiler, but it uh I I was kind of waiting for it, you know? Or I was well, no. I I wasn't waiting for it because I didn't really believe it would happen, but in a way I was kind of hoping for it. <laughs> <sighs> right. So no,
1: I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. You know, like let Chandler Riggs go off to school, do his thing for a little while, and come back as uh, you know, on another show or movies or whatever. You know, I don't think it would be detrimental to his career to leave the show, and I don't think it would be detrimental to the show if he left. No, and it could so, be it
0: could be a huge thing, a huge thing for the show, right? Imagine if Carl had died the other night in episode 16. That's all the internet would be talking about, probably in a positive way, and as as much in positive as much as negative way. But man, would that have been a big fricking deal? Yeah. And sometimes you kind of want that. So, anyhow, that's that's where it is. Let's uh, move on to Daniel in Germany, who writes. In general, I like the episode very much, except the bad guys hit. The bad guys not hitting any target like a bunch of stormtroopers, even though they were all pointing at our group members. And Carl begins to shoot for the plot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, all the scavengers had guns pointed right at people. Someone starts shooting and not one of them can get a shot off.
3: Well,
1: you know, this brings me back to D&D. You know, there's the element of surprise, right? When you uh, get surprised on a group of people, uh, everybody gets to go before the surprised people get to go right? You don't even, like, you don't get a shot off. You're surprised. You're like, holy shit, what the hell's going on here? And then, you know, six seconds later, you can get your shit together and then start doing stuff, right? So, but that is a completely unrealistic, uh, tabletop role-playing game, whereas this is a completely unrealistic zombie apocalypse television show, and, you know, there are standards. So... You know, I've been in a role-playing game before where I was pointing a shotgun at a guy after I had fought a griffin, and man, was my character tense because, damn it, I almost died from fighting a griffin, for crying out loud. A real-life griffin. Griffins are scary, not like Peter Griffin on Family Guy, which is not (laughs) that scary. So an actual griffin is scary. So I was pointing the shotgun at this guy, and he was being an asshole, and he kept walking towards me, and I'm like, don't move. I'm going to shoot you. And then the the I'm looking at the other player across the table and he said, I take a step forward. It's like, I pull the fucking trigger. Like Jesus Christ, I'm pointing right at you. I say, don't move. You take a step. I'm going to pull the trigger. So all these people had their fingers on the trigger in a very tense situation. I absolutely agree that if, uh, if some shit started to go down, the whole point of you pointing your weapons at somebody with your finger on the trigger is so that they don't do anything stupid. They did something stupid. Yeah, so somebody should have gotten shot, at least.
0: and probably they
1: got shot, that's the other problem.
0: Probably like 50% of them should have been killed. But, you know, 50% of the cast being shot all at once is probably too high for your average TV show.
1: Remember, these are not professional soldiers. They haven't really been trained. I mean, sure, they've had weapons for a while and that they're all survivors and they're all kind of badass people at this point, but they're not trained to deal with this stuff. Three years,
0: whatever it is, into the zombie apocalypse and not That's experience, one experience,
1: not training.
0: but not one of them can get a shot off that hits anything. Maybe they did, but they didn't hit anything. Point blank. People on their knees.
1: I know I don't know. You can find uh videos of sadly you can find videos of like uh convenience store robberies where uh, a guy walks into a, a convenience store with a loaded handgun, pointing it point blank at the uh, the guy behind the counter, and shit goes wrong, nobody gets hit.
0: Yeah, but right? that It happens.
1: Do they fire, or is that
0: because people are... are they fire. Reluctant to fire, even when... Because when you're robbing a convenience store, I got to believe that even you as the criminal most of the time don't want to kill anybody. you just want to rob the convenience store get some money and a free pack of smokes right but, right but so when when shit goes wrong, even then you are you're not prepared to actually pull that trigger. I feel like in the zombie apocalypse you'd be a little more prepared.
1: yes and no I mean these people uh, the scavengers and the saviors had uh, such overwhelming force at this point that they and they didn't want to kill them. They just wanted to overpower them, shock and awe, and you know, get them under control. Maybe they didn't expect to pull the trigger, just like somebody walking into a convenience store with a handgun. You know, sure they don't expect to pull a trigger, but uh, you know, these people, this, the scavengers, especially, you know, and uh, they're pointing the guns at these at, uh, at these people, and they're thinking, you know, they're under control now. I can relax because, you know, when you're pointing a, a, a firearm at somebody. Uh, there's a big feeling of power there. It's like I have control over that person because, goddammit, I'm pointing a firearm at them. They're gonna be reasonable.
0: Yeah, that's, that's not true. always the case. That's true. I, maybe I, it surprised them. I can see your point. I mean, you can still be surprised even when you, or or maybe you're even more likely to be surprised when you truly believe you have the upper hand, and then all of a
1: sudden you don't. I think yep. I'm arguing both sides of the fence here though. I'm arguing <laughs> for the fact that they're surprised and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not terribly disappointed that nobody hit anybody, but God damn it, everybody's shooting bullets and the firefight went on for a good 10 minutes and nobody got hit? Like, come on, only Rosita. She's the only one who got hit that I know of. Oh, and that guy, the red shirt guy that we didn't actually see get hit, that he was just lying there. He probably got beamed in the head by a rock or something, probably. Yeah. <laughs>
0: a bullet ricocheted and a chunk of rock fell off or flung uh, at him. Tree branch, maybe? Tree branch.
1: Clunked him in the head. He's Maybe he's just unconscious.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's not even dead. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's, uh, that's a lot of um, speculation on why no one got hit. Let's move on to the next email.
1: Yeah. All right. So we have Barbara in Wheeling, Illinois. I know you are nitpickers like myself, so please accept this as a bit of trivia in that spirit. Sasha was transported in a casket, not a coffin. The distinction distinction is the number of sides. A casket is a box with four sides, while a coffin has six sides and is typically made to measure. Picture the old west. Uh, And you were correct in that caskets do not have holes and are designed to be leak resistant for a long time. I am uh, not sure about the air capacity, but there is quite a bit of space. So you should, she should have been okay for a couple of hours. All right. So
0: Barbara told us where she works in the email, which I won't mention, but based on her uh, employment, her career. She is definitely in a position to know about these sorts of
1: things. So when she says- I got that impression when uh, so the email, I didn't see the rest of the email, but I got that impression that uh, she would be in a position to know. So I just took uh, her uh, expertise at face value.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you off the air where, where she works. But uh, um, So when she says a, a casket is a box with four sides. She doesn't mean like the top and the bottom. She means like yeah, a she rectangle. she means straight side, straight side. top.
1: Yeah, if, and you know, in the top and the bottom. So because four sides really would be a useless coffin. Right, and and a
0: coffin has six. You got to think Dracula, sort of where the shoulders are wider than than the legs and it's a uh, different shape. So uh, interesting distinction. I did not know that.
1: I did not know that either.
0: No, so thanks for that information, Barbara. We now have a call from Rudy in new york who has some similar and additional information on the same thing cool
3: chris and jason this is rudy from new york i'm actually a funeral director i'm just calling about your inquiries about the casket in the last episode of this season for the walking dead Uh, looks like the metal casket it has some type of sealer or a rubber gasket that seals the casket but to fully seal it, you have to have a, like some type of crank that starts a mechanism to fully seal it. So in the case of Sasha being in the casket, yes, theoretically, she could get it air in there because of the casket wasn't sealed yet, but it's highly unlikely in the real world. Another point I want to make about caskets is they are stored standing up in warehouses, In casket companies, that's how they store them. But in this situation with Sasha, the weight of the person in the casket would tip the casket. So you would just have to add this thing happening in the Walking Dead last episode as part of the suspension of belief department. On a side note, when someone is embalmed, in the arteries, the formaldehyde is injected, and in your cavity area, your cavity fluid is injected, or also known as phenol, which is a derivative of of formaldehyde. So I just wanted to leave this information. Thanks for your podcast. Keep up the good work. Rudy from New York. And Jason, note to you, Enid is not a spy. Thank you. Bye.
1: Thank you, Rudy. Thanks, Rudy. Uh, Rudy, just by the way, uh, I want to be cremated. <laughs> yes. That whole formaldehyde <laughs> replacing the bodily fluids and your cavity gross it 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 is (laughs) uh kind of
0: kind of uh Unpleasant. It sounds like it, but hey, some people do this for a living, Jason. We can't really criticize.
1: I, you know, I thought about it when I was uh, when I was in high school. It occurred to me that uh, it might be something I would be interested in doing. And uh, I looked at the requirements, and you have to uh, basically get a, an internship at a funeral home or a fu- as a funeral director and do a bunch of hours unpaid, and then you would uh, and you could apply for school and stuff. And I thought about it. There was a funeral home around the corner, and I talked to somebody about it, but. Uh, after a while, I was like, "No, yeah you 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 really have to,
0: you really have to want to do that thing, that sort of thing in life." I think. And hey, th- thank goodness there are people that do. Oh yeah. But it, I can really understand how that's not for everybody.
3: Uh, but, okay,
1: so caskets need to be sealed. Yeah, you, you know, actually some kind of seal crank them. mechanism to seal them.
0: You, you sort of vacuum seal them, probably, right? I mean, you're probably not I pumping don't... all the air out of it, but. I think think it's sort
1: of like, you remember the old time refrigerators that had like the handle that you had to open, like the one that uh, Indiana Jones hit in to escape the uh, blast from an atomic explosion? Yes. Uh, You know, so it had some kind of clasp like that. I figure it's something like that where there's actually little hooks that hook in and you crank it down and I don't think it's like you pump all the air out. It's not like a soda can or something that you need to, you know, pressurize or no. depressurize, but you just need to crank it down and, uh, you know, make it sealed so that it's not, uh, leaky. So, and I'm, I just pray that it's so that stuff doesn't leak in and not that stuff doesn't leak out. <laughs> yeah. It's probably both really. Cause you don't want, anyway. I don't probably want to think about it. <laughs> I want to be cremated.
0: Yeah. I can't yeah. Well, I you're probably right, probably both, but a- a- anyways, just another thing I didn't know about caskets. And uh you learned something. Oh, and they're stored standing up, so that's good to hear. Learn something new every day. And that also stored standing up, so it's not totally crazy that they would stand this one up, even though having a body in there would probably tip it over, especially a body that's moving around and trying to get out.
1: Yeah, but they had it all they also had it on a dolly. So that I think would add some stability to it. Probably. Maybe there was somebody behind there holding it up, you know, just (laughs) some unpaid intern. Simon. Simon was still there. He was holding it up. No, Simon wouldn't do that. Simon would get some kind of lackey to, to do that. It would be like Eugene's lackey that would do that kind of thing.
0: Got it. It should have been Gregory. Should have been Gregory standing back there holding that thing up. That would have been hilarious. I would, I would have liked that very
1: much. I, I, I'm now choosing to believe that that happened. Okay, good.
0: Gregory, (laughs) Gregory goes to the sanctuary and becomes the official casket holder.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Perfect job for that guy. That's good. All right. Next we have an email from Laurie in Wilmington, Delaware. Hi, Chris and Michael. You're, uh, you, (laughs) that's me, by the way, I'm Michael. Yes, you are. Uh, You questioned why Enid uh, had Glenn's watch. And I wanted to point out that Maggie actually gifted it to Enid, uh, the watch when the epi- in the episode following Glenn's death because she did not want to mourn. She wanted to fight, which she believes is what Glenn would do. Side note, I do believe uh, they are fighting for what's right. There have been many comparisons of Rick to Negan, which I do not agree with. Uh, to briefly make my point, Rick would never force a dozen women to marry him and sleep with him and then murder a rapist. Rick would just murder the rapist fair point about, uh, Rick and Negan both
0: being equal or, or both being evil. It's just a matter of perspective. Right. Uh, I, I agree that I don't think Rick would force a dozen women to marry him and have sex with him. Uh, he would just murder the rapist. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, but back to the other point, I do recall now, Maggie giving the watch to Enid. At the time, I thought that was a bit odd. That seemed like a very special thing to Maggie, and she she gave it to Enid. But I don't know. I guess they needed she needed to give it away so that she could get it back again at the right time. Right. You know that's how they do these things sometimes. So, so yes, it is. There it is. Thanks for the reminder, Lori. On that. Next up is Trucker Tom from the road, and Trucker Tom says the kingdom wasn't going to war with all available forces. The king said they were seeking an alliance. He was traveling with Carol, Morgan, and some bodyguards to seek an alliance with Alexandria. So that makes a lot of sense, and something I I didn't pick up on, that they weren't going to war. That's why they didn't have all their people, all their soldiers. They were just going there to talk to them and say, okay, guys, we're on board. What's the plan? And then they got there, and the war had already started. Right. Luckily, they brought their tiger with them. Absolutely. Extremely lucky, actually, when you, yeah. uh, when you think about it. So,
1: you know, if I had a tiger and I was, uh, going out into the zombie apocalypse to walk from one community to another, uh, I would take the tiger with me. I think it's probably a good idea. I mean, that tiger is going to, uh, it's going to
0: keep you safe. Who's going to mess with you if you're walking around with a tiger? Yeah. I mean, zombies would, but you know, you can deal with them probably. You probably can. And the tiger might be helpful. Um, I wonder if they know... That there are no zombie animals in this in this universe, like I wonder if the characters know. Is that a stupid question?
1: Well, I would assume that they know.
0: By now, you'd think they would have seen one, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, they've they've eaten animals, right? I mean, even the uh, uh, King Ezekiel and the kingdom, uh, they killed pigs. Oh yeah, to uh, to give to the to saviors. You think that they would know that they didn't have to shoot the pigs in the head in order. to... To, so that they wouldn't turn into zombie pigs, <laughs> yeah, right uh
0: no, you're right. they probably do know that's the, they've they fattened up those pigs and then they killed them. so okay, at least at least somebody knows
1: is he yeah knows. at least I mean we assume they know we you don't we don't know they know. Right. We don't know what they know if they know what they know. think they know they know. Uh, I know. (laughs) All right. Next, we have an email from Final Harvest in Germany. Holy crap. Did you see King Ezekiel shout, Alexandria will not fall? Not on this day. Man, I do love the kingdom people. I wish some of their nobility uh, was left in Rick and the group. Uh, The death of Benjamin and Richard made me really sad. I am so team kingdom. Love the king's way of speaking. Love the armor. Hell, even they had flags when they were marching to war. And Jerry had a double axe on his back. So that's just some kingdom
0: love right there. And I agree. I think it was awesome that they were carrying flags. And it's it's the little things, right? If you're going to be a kingdom and you're going to be a king, and you're going to march somewhere and go to war, you're on horseback, have a flag. You know, I know it doesn't seem important, but I think it just brings it. It it just brings the. Uh, It just brings the attitude that everybody needs to get up for the fight.
1: Yeah, and you know, cut yourself a lance. Put a silver tip on the end and uh, put a pinion on it and then ride off into battle and then skewer some zombies, my friend. There you go.
0: When he says that Jerry had a double axe on his back, does he mean like two axes crossed? No, it was a
1: double-bladed axe. So it was one axe with, uh, like it was a long pole axe with uh, an axe blade on one side and an axe blade on the other. So an axe on the... Both ends of a pole? No. One end of the pole, two axe blades, one
0: pointing left, one pointing right. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. Isn't there a, a name for that weapon?
1: Yeah, double axe. Really? I think. Well, there's a halberd, but it only has, it's longer and it only has one blade and a spike on the end. Ah, uh, okay. And then there's a pole arm, which is slightly different. So this is really a double axe? I assume so. I knew what he meant. All and right. I know that Jerry had one, so I'm okay with it. He had a big, awesome axe. Jerry's amazing. I hope Jerry doesn't die someday. Jerry will never die. Him and Long live the Jerry.
0: <laughs> Jerry and Simon, those two guys should hook up and go do a show together. Oh my god, buddy cop movie. Buddy cop. Yeah, that's the perfect good cop bad cop right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know. The the Jerry and Simon show.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania writes, I don't give a shit if it was Tiger X Machina. Shiva jumping onto the unaware savior literally made me scream, holy shit. Negan's scream and exclaiming, a goddamn tiger had me grinning ear to ear. Yeah. Totally agree. And I think Tiger X Machina is great. Tiger X
1: Machina, yeah. (laughs) That makes (laughs) sense to me. It does. I like that a lot. So (laughs) cool. Good stuff, James. Very good. Charlie in London, England writes, uh, just a thought, what Jadis said to Michonne and Rick was to check who the leader of this group cares about so that they know who to kill. The look back to her garbage buddy was basically a nod of confirmation as if to say, hey, she's the one, you know what to do.
0: Right. And I thought this was an interesting little theory that Jadis was just sort of confirming that you know, Rick and Michonne have this relationship, and if they're going to screw with the Alexandrians, what you need to do is take them off their guard by first talking about, you know, laying with Rick in front of his girlfriend yeah, and then eliminating her.
1: <laughs> and then, yeah, and plus you also have the bonus of not only screwing with the Alexandrians, but screwing this particular one Alexandrian when it's over. Well, yeah, but I mean, think about that. This
0: could just this could just take them off their game a little bit, off their guard, you know? Yeah. And then maybe
1: she can get with Rick later anyway, right? Maybe she's killing the girlfriend. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a win-win. You know, I, we throw the whole uh, Alexandrian thing into, uh, into chaos and I get to, I get to have this guy throw a bone in me. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of throwing going on. (laughs) Yeah. I like that.
0: Uh, and I've never heard that particular uh, euphemism for doing it before. Sorry,
1: I've been watching a lot of Archer lately It's used quite a bit in that show. Oh, really? I got to watch oh, yeah. that show. I hear it's good. It is good. I'm, I'm quite enjoying it. You want to start a podcast on Archer? Uh, maybe. it would be a <laughs> lot. There's a lot there. I know. Like, there. I can only watch like two episodes at a time because it's the, the awesomeness of Archer is so dense that you can't handle more than a I can't handle more than a couple of episodes at a time. And it's just, it's just like, okay, to take a break because it's just, there's too much there. It's too much funny, too much awesome, too much great actors. It's just, it's too, it's too much.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, that's what we could call it. Archer, it's too damn much. <laughs> it's too damn much. <laughs> the too damn much cast. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, next up is who? Crystal? Crystal. In Philadelphia. Yeah. Crystal, Philadelphia. While I think Carl was badass for starting the shootout, wouldn't it have been more resolute to open fire on Negan and Sasha when they fell off the truck? They know Sasha was dead. What harm would it have been to unload a hundred rounds into them? And and I yeah. see I see her point. Yes, you. If you're trying to kill Negan, just unload straight at straight at him because he's got a zombie on him. You, if you, if you can aim right, you're going to hit him. Except they had all the scavengers pointing guns at them, so they had to eliminate that threat because as soon as they start firing at somebody else. Even if the scavengers were distracted and and reluctant, they'd get their wits about them, and then all the Alexandrians are dead. Right, Alexandrians.
1: Yeah, you got to take out the the highest threat. You ever watch uh, Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood movie?
0: Oh, not for a long time, but yeah, not for a long.
1: Yeah, there was uh, you know there there was a, a, a guy writing a, a story about uh, the Duke of Death, and he was talking to uh, the Clint Eastwood guy, uh, the guy that Clint Eastwood is playing, and saying, you know, how do you know? When you get into a shootout, how do you know who the highest threat is? Do you kill the person that you perceive them is the most threat, and then you move down the the line from there? And Clint Eastwood's reply was, "I don't know. I've always been kind of good at killing." <laughs>
0: yeah, I can imagine <laughs> him,
1: I can imagine him being good at killing. <laughs> but you gotta, you have to. It's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm gonna watch it again. Um, you have to, you have to take out the immediate threat. Right, so sure, Negan's down on the ground, uh, wrestling with uh, with Sasha Zombie, but uh, you know you get people pointing guns at you, so you got to deal with that. Because you know, you could shoot him, but that's going to be a, a suicidal move. Sure, it would work for us, the viewer, because it'd be like, hey, Negan's dead, hooray! Let's uh, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead, kind of thing. But really, you'd probably get uh, you know a bullet through the skull for that uh, for that good deed.
0: You would. So you got to eliminate the most pressing threat and then hope that there's still a zombie wrestling with Negan on the ground and then you can take your shot. Not if Simon's around. No. Well, not Simon's if Simon's gonna around. to save your ass. But it wasn't Simon who pulled Sasha off. It was some rando savior who got eaten by her immediately after.
1: Yeah, then Simon did it. So Simon oh, yeah. knew what he was doing. He was like, okay, I'm going to let that guy take the hit and then I'm going to save the guy. So Simon's got, you know, perfect situational awareness that, uh, he can, he can deal with that. Seriously. He lets that guy, you know, sacrifice himself and then he gets all the glory for saving the boss. He probably pushed that guy into sacrificing himself. He probably like grabbed him by the shoulders and, you know, threw him, uh, 40 or 50 feet, I assume, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to save, uh, save his boss and then, uh, you know, swoop in for the glory. Yeah. Smart.
0: It sounds like the kind of thing he would do.
1: I don't see why not. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Alexander on the internet. Sigh. Obviously, the people <laughs> behind The Walking Dead don't know much about fight sequences. I counted at least four or five times where you could almost hear the "and action or point at the field and shoot. Uh, if this is a taste of the action sequences we're going to get, you know, we're going to expect in season eight I can no longer fault people for not giving the show another chance. This was just bad. In my opinion, they're going to need a serious change of directing talent. What do you guys think?
0: Well, this episode was directed by Greg Nicotero, if I'm not mistaken, and they do seem to give Greg the biggest episodes, all the season premieres, all the season finales, the mid-season finale, and some in between, so they seem to really like what he's doing, but I was thinking after Alexander's email here that maybe, you know, Greg Nicotero's been around for a long time, and I think by now he's got a fair number of directing credits under his belt. Um, but I wonder if maybe they should get some real veteran TV directors to handle some of the bigger episodes. Let Greg do the in-between ones, but then, but then you know, bring in some real talent for the, for the odd premiere finale or something like that.
1: We're talking like a Roxanne Dawson or a, um... Sure. uh, (laughs) You know, she's been around for a long time. She was, uh, she played the Klingon on Star Trek Voyager, but she started directing episodes and she's done a whole bunch of directing now, right? Like a very dispersed set of television shows. Uh, or maybe, um... I'll take your word for it. I don't know her, (laughs) but sure. Like
0: if, if, uh, it's, I'm just saying like Greg Nicotero, he does great work. He does great... Practical effects work. Everything he touches, you know, is generally pretty good. But I can see how, you know, not everyone is an expert at everything. So maybe he's not so great at the action scenes and they need to bring in someone else to do those sorts
1: of things. Uh, Bring in that lady that directed all the episodes of How He Met Your Mother. I'm sure she'd do a great job. She did every single one, didn't she? Pretty much. She she moved on to an executive uh, producer. Uh, So she moved away from the directing and took, I think she was showrunner. After a while, at least. Not Showrunner, no, because it was those two guys that did the showrunning, but uh, she directed like 99% of them. That's a lot of friggin' episodes. It is, and uh, they like that because it was gives them a, a sense of consistency from episode to episode. Whereas, you know, a lot of TV shows they'll bring in guest di- guest directors because the, you know it's really the showrunners that uh, that do all the work. Uh, not all the work, but they kind of guide the show. Whereas in a, in the movie scenario, it's the director that kind of guides the movie, right? So you can bring in a guest director for a television show, and they're just kind of uh, you know it's it's not as a Uh, controlling a a job as, say, it would be for a movie.
0: You know what, man? I need to stand corrected, because Greg Nicotero does not have as much directing uh, experience as I thought. I just looked him up. He's directed 20 episodes of The Walking Dead, 13 episodes of The Walking Dead webisodes, one TV movie called Galantine, and one short film called The United Monster Talent Agency, and that's
1: it. That's, that's a lot. I mean, the 13 episodes of The Walking Dead? 20 and 13. 20, e- 13. that's a lot. It's a
0: lot, sure, but it's all the same show. He's never done anything different, right? He doesn't have, he doesn't have the experience you gain from doing different types of things. You know, if he directed a comedy show for a while, or if he directed a real dramatic show for a while, you learn things in those situations that you can bring to other genres. And he doesn't have that. All he's ever done is The Walking Dead.
1: So, yeah, well, look at Neil Blomkampf or Blomkampf. Uh, would before he did uh, District Nine, all he did was a couple of commercials. Fair enough, and District
0: Nine ended up really good. And some it, of uh, some of um, Greg Nicotero's Walking Dead episodes have been really good, but that doesn't yeah. mean he's always the best guy for the job, and they're giving no. him like 30 percent of the episodes, it seems like.
1: Well, yeah, and look what happened with Chappie. You know, Neil Blomkampf oh. did Chappie, and oh my god. Oh, it was Stop a... Stop it and don't do that again, man. Steaming pile of dog shit, that movie. Like, it was
0: one of the worst movies I've seen in the last 20 years.
1: Yeah, it's pretty bad.
0: So I'm just saying, like, you know, Greg Nicotero does a great job. And, but but I wonder why they're giving him the biggest episodes. And these tend to be the premieres and the finales. Um And... It's a scarf. He wears a
1: scarf. All the time.
0: <laughs> he doesn't have a scarf in his picture on IMDb, but... When we saw him in Atlanta, he had a scarf on a lot, didn't he?
1: <laughs> yes, he did. And his friend did too.
0: Yeah. Well, anyways, I'm just saying, I think uh, I think Alexander has a good point that, uh, you know, there are some things in, in this episode and he points out the action scenes that aren't always amazing. And maybe, maybe it is a directing thing. So try somebody else. The next time we have a big action-heavy episode, let's give it to Michelle McLaren or somebody who's done other Walking Dead stuff but has, you know, directing credits out the wazoo.
1: Like Neil Blumkamp. (laughs) I don't know about that. Uh, He could do a, a television show. I think he'd be fantastic at it. As long as he doesn't have, you know, doesn't write the same shit he did with Chappie, everything's fine. It looked good. That whole movie looked good. Yeah. Yeah, no. It was just the whole premise of bullshit. (laughs)
0: it was um well the movie looked good i guess but yeah i hated the rest of it um so anyways let's uh let's move on but i think give other people a chance that's all i'm saying true so is it me yeah it's you (laughs) okay steve in seattle writes so rick is officially the worst leader ever right i think he is and here's why he trusted the garbage people He gave the garbage people their guns. He let the garbage people get the better of them inside their own walls. He let the garbage people know about his explosives plan. Why tell them that? Why not give them guns and just put them at stations along the wall? There's no reason to tell the garbage people every single little detail, detail, especially when you don't know them. Basically, what I'm getting at is the whole twist with the garbage people was really, really, really dumb because it paints Rick as an idiot. He just stood there on the wall watching his people shoot at the saviors and then turned around and tried to make another fucking deal with Jadis. What? What Rick is this? Because this is not the Rick I've grown used to. He let himself get shot, then got kicked off the wall and held hostage, all while holding on to his little knife. Come on, Rick. I mean, really... You trusted these garbage people enough to let your guard down around them.
1: Don't trust garbage people. Well, that's, that's the lesson.
0: That seems to be one of the lessons. But do you think Rick comes off as a moron in this situation for all of the reasons that Steve in Seattle listed?
1: From hindsight, absolutely. Uh, you know, he was a little too enthusiastic about encountering a group of people where he's like, yeah, good you know, a group of people, we need bodies, we need to, you know, get, we need to have an army for fighting and uh, these people will help us uh, because they don't know any better or, you know, we're the first person that, first people that they've come across. Uh, Yes, he trusted them. He was a little over-enthusiastic, a little over-excited and he gave them all guns and then uh, expected them to uh, be on his side and I guess he shouldn't have.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. In hindsight, it seems kind of crazy. Uh, But at the time, I just didn't think so.
1: I'm inclined to trust people. You know, I'll give people the benefit of the doubt. I get in my car every day and I drive on the roads and I believe in the rest of my fellow humans not to kill me, right? This is a trust. This is a a social contract that we've all uh, agreed to uh, it's a lot of faith, especially when you am driving on the highway and there's a lot of assholes on the highway doing asshole things every day. But I have to believe that most of these assholes are not going to kill me. You're absolutely right. S- somebody might someday. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I can't, I'm not going to trust anybody because if I didn't trust anybody, I would never get in my car. Never leave the house. I barely do that anyway, but I would never, definitely <laughs> never get in the car. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, I don't know. I mean,
0: I, it does seem like when it's laid out like this by Steve, that Rick was a little, um, enthusiastic to trust these people, just a little overly trusting. But yeah. What other option did he have? I mean, he needs people. He has to take a chance. I mean, they trusted Dwight too, when they basically sent Dwight away, uh, with the promise of slowing them down and then, you know, executing that whole plan. So, I just feel like, what choice do they have? They, they know the scavengers are there. They've, they've interacted with them. So you either trust them and try to get them on your side or you don't. And then they're just another enemy that you have to deal with. And chances are they're going to be on the savior's side.
1: Yeah. Here's an analogy of the situation. I'm having a feud with my neighbor, right? I really hate that guy. He's, he's a stupid asshole. I want him dead. I go outside and I flag down the first person I see walking down the street and I say, I hate my neighbor. He's probably your neighbor too. He's a real asshole. Let's go get him. They say, yeah, give me a gun. Okay. I go back into the house. I grab a couple of guns. I give one to this guy. I take one. We go to the neighbor's house. Turns out this guy's my neighbor's brother, right? And I get fucked over and they they shoot me in the head. You know, really, am I going to trust the guy that I flag down in the street that says, give me a gun? Like, yeah, here you go. Good luck.
0: Let's go. Uh, I don't don't think so. No, I guess not. (laughs) Interesting uh, little story there. Hope your neighbor doesn't listen. No, no. I like all my neighbors actually. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Yeah. I swear. I swear. I really (laughs) like them. They're my best friends.
1: No they're good people it's like i'm I'm slowly getting to know them one you know farther and farther out from the house that I happen to reside in uh, but uh, so far everybody seems to be really nice except for the guy that broke into my car and stole all the change out of my cup the other day and then last summer when they slashed my tires but I think uh, I think of more that's more of a hooliganism thing than my neighbors doing stuff because they all had their cars broken into too so yeah well that's not
0: really neighbors that's probably some jerk kids jerk teenagers coming down the street yeah Hooligan cars, yeah, that's right, yeah, exactly. It's the same
1: hooligans that uh, carved a uh, a penis in my uh, my wet sidewalk when they redid the uh, redid the sidewalks. I just think that's funny. It is funny. I think it's good. I was mad at first, but I like it now. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad because I thought it was funny from day one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's going on here? Next, we have an email from Justine in NorCal. As soon as the truckloads of scavengers drove into Alexandria during the season seven finale last night, and I saw them standing inside the walls with all of their guns, I did literally yell at my TV screen and yell, holy crap, (laughs) Rick would never let all of these complete strangers pack in heat into the walls of their safe zone. Neither would Daryl, Michelle, Carl, Rosita, or Tara. Michelle. None of them. (laughs) Michelle. What did I say? Michelle. Michelle. None of them would do that. To me, it was an egregious example of the Walking Dead creators uh, erasing the hard-earned traits of our saviors uh, that they have honed over the seven seasons because they were too lazy to think of a more original way to create tension. I, Jason, I don't normally like to call out stuff, but you're having trouble tonight. I am
0: having trouble. The, walking dead, day. the walking dead creators erasing the hard-earned traits our survivors have honed for seven seasons, not our saviors. Whatever. <laughs> but it's confusing when there are saviors in the show.
1: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And I apologize. It's been one <laughs> hell of a long day. That's all right. At least tomorrow's Friday, right? Is it? It sure
0: is. Good. It's Thursday night. It's the unofficial start to the weekend. You should feel good, man. I feel good. Anyhow, um, Is this kind of expands on, on the last email that just uh, Rick is way too trusting to let everyone in. And as I said, it, it kind of worked for me because... I'm one of these idiots who never actually considered the possibility that the scavengers would actually double cross them, which is c- clearly naive now. But uh right. I just I just never thought of it. Um but it's okay, so what it is. To
1: amend my scenario, it'd be like flagging down a guy saying, you know, my neighbor's coming to shoot me, help me out here. Yeah, give me a gun, and then you know, you hand him a loaded gun and invite him into your house. Right. You wouldn't do that. Probably not. No, it's
0: you wouldn't. And I guess you wouldn't invite people riding bikes and garbage trucks and
1: into your house either, so. Well, I would never let a group of people in the back of a garbage truck into my house.
2: (laughs) No way. Just, you know, never.
1: As a rule, if they
2: show up in the
0: back of a garbage truck, don't invite them in. Yeah, maybe a school bus, maybe. But a garbage truck, forget it. Yeah, yeah. The vehicle people come in says a lot about their uh, intentions and personality. It does. Okay, uh, very good. Next up here is a call from Chris in snowy Michigan.
2: Hey, Chris and Jason, this is Chris from Snowy, Michigan. I just had a couple comments that I wanted to make. Now, the first was, and I may have missed it, but I knew a lot of people would be talking about the scene where Negan's truck drove away without you know, any damage or anyone getting hit. But it looked like that scene was filmed from inside Alexandria. Well, the last I'd seen was the truck was outside of the gates. Again, I could be wrong. Maybe they ran out and shot at him as he drove away, but I thought that's what it appeared to be. Uh, The other thing is I thought that the last two scenes would have been more impactful if they would have been swapped. So what I'm talking about is if they would have had the Sasha funeral scene first, and then the Negan we're going to war scene with the camera panning out. I just think that it would have had a lot more of an impact uh, that way. So, Well, thank you guys. And, uh, you know, it was another great season, so I will talk to you guys later. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Chris. So Negan's truck, Jason, I went back and checked this and yeah, it, it seems like they all pulled up outside the walls and then all shit broke loose, but then it really did feel like when he was driving away with his finger out the window, they were inside Alexandria driving out. And this is what I was getting at on Monday when I said that I started to lose track of the battle a little bit, who was where, what characters were shooting at each other, who was who in a lot of ways. And I think that truck magically moved inside Alexandria and then had to drive out.
1: It did. And uh, holy continuity error, Batman. Yes, absolutely. I think that that truck was outside the walls. They were all outside the walls, but I assume at some point they drove inside the walls. Right. But that's confusing to not see that. It is
0: right, so um, I think that's a sort of a good pickup there by by
1: Chris. And can we go uh, ahead and blame Greg Nicotero for that? He's the director, hundred percent. That's who you blame for that. All right. Well, I, I mean, what about Scott Gimple? Come on. Scott Gimple's got to take some of the heat for this.
0: No, not for this. Scott Gimple is the, he oversees the bigger picture.
1: He's the showrunner. He's, he might not even be there the day they shoot that. He's got to be there. And he was, you know, viewing the dailies and, you know, was in the room when they had a rough cut. And he went, whoa, what's this all about? And why is the truck inside? It's like, well, we had the truck drive inside, but we had to cut it for time. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah.
0: Okay, you're right. Scott Gimple's probably there, especially for a season finale like this. So maybe we Gail can- Gail
1: Ann Hurd, on the other hand, did, uh, you know, she chose the music and it was excellent. So uh, we'll uh, leave her in a shining light. Well, we'll get to music in a minute, but uh, I don't blame
0: Gail Ann Heard no, for sure. And nor nor do I blame the other producers, but Nick Darrow and um, maybe to a slightly lesser degree, Gimple. He's in charge. He's got to take the heat.
1: You know, oh, ultimately for... it's his responsibility that is very true
0: that's true so uh, i don't know what to do about that anyways thank you chris for uh calling in oh he also talked about reversing the last two scenes um what did he say i it's funny i can't remember which order they came in now but showing the funeral first and then the um and then the we're going to war scene with negan yeah
1: yeah i think i think you're absolutely right uh that the, those scenes reversed would have been excellent maybe
0: but but is it because you sort of see our group being all, I don't know, all uh, family-like and having a funeral for their fallen friend and Negan is just there chanting on to his people about going to war. Very different attitude.
1: Yeah, that's because Negan didn't lose anybody. No, nobody's super important to him. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody at all. Oh, that one guy that uh, uh, Stephen Og threw across the, across the room to save him. That was the only guy that died. Okay. Well, I, I guess he wasn't that important to
0: him at all. I guess not.
1: All right. Next, we have an email from Charles in Lagos, Nigeria. Crazy, uh, eh? Crazy. Uh, if this was a stage play, uh, I would be throwing tomatoes, <laughs> which I think is awesome. You should throw tomatoes at the screen anyway. Uh, the level of suspension of disbelief required to watch this show is really reaching ridiculous proportions. And he, uh, Charles, has a number of points to back that up. One, are we really meant to believe that Rick's team, having all the guns known to humanity pointed right at them, are going to be in a position to launch a counteroffensive with no major characters killed based on uh, the distraction from one walker? Two, Rick was shot, as in a bullet through the flesh. How is he still up and running after a few minutes of being shot in the side of the belly and kicked off a wall? This is quite simply ridiculous. Three, how in the hell does a tiger creep up out of nowhere and know which bad guys to attack? What nonsense? Well, number one,
0: uh, it was a big enough distraction. We've covered that. I think that, uh, Rick and everybody were able to escape guns pointed right at them. Yep. Number two, I still contend that Rick was just grazed and he just has a very minor flesh wound on his side. And that's how he's able to continue to function after being grazed with a bullet. Okay. And number three, yep. the it's a laser-guided tiger, as we talked about it on the It is Monday. a
1: laser-guided, yeah, yeah. A little laser pointer to tell the tiger which guy to attack. Yep. You know, attack that guy right there. You should have attacked Negan. Why wouldn't he attack Negan? Yep. That doesn't make any sense, 100%. It's laser-guided. Guide the frigging thing towards the guy that, you know, would do the, you'd do the most harm by... Yeah. Anyway, attack. okay, whatever, whatever. Maybe the tiger got it wrong. Tiger got confused. Uh, where's where's the laser? Where did it go? What happened to the laser?
0: It was too bright out. Couldn't see the laser, so yeah. just picked a guy at random. Um, maybe you know, it was
1: in the wrong wavelength. I know. I know cats see different wavelengths than we do. Maybe it was more in the blue, and they see more red. I don't know. The, there's a there's a
0: rifle in this um, in this show that has a bad sight, so maybe there's also a laser pointer that's a little off.
1: Uh, yeah, or the tiger's cross-eyed.
0: It points and, to the right. Could the Shiva t- beat cross-eyed? The tiger is cross-eyed. It saw two points and it just picked one. <laughs>
1: it just picked one. It's got double. If vision. The tiger was drunk. I didn't know, there was three of them. I just attacked the one in the middle. <laughs> the tiger's <laughs> drunk and has double vision. I'll oh my god! Do you know one. how much beer it would take to get a tiger drunk? <laughs> Probably a lot, but they weigh like three hundred pounds or five hundred pounds or you know three point seven tons. I have no idea, but it's a lot. <laughs> they weigh a lot. Yeah, They're the I bet largest they do. cat. Uh yes. Well lions.
0: Are are lions smaller no, than tigers? Tigers
1: are bigger than lions.
0: Wow. Holy moly, the Siberian tiger, the largest subspecies of uh the Panthera genus, is known to weigh up to eight hundred pounds. Yeah, they're friggin' big. Oh my god, man. Bengals are uh two hundred and thirty kilograms. That's a lot too. Jesus. That's a lot. Man. All right. Well, um I don't know. Anything else big about cats. anything else about Charles's uh well, you know, okay, here? so
1: you think that uh, Rick was grazed and not shot uh, with a you know bullet that actually entered his bodily cavity.
0: I think he was grazed, and I don't think the bullet entered his bodily cavity. I think it just tore off a little flesh on the side.
1: Okay, now imagine you got stabbed in the side there where it didn't actually enter, but it did take a big chunk out of you. Do you think that would slow you down? Yes, I think it would slow me down. But Do you I'm think not... it would slow Rick down?
0: No, that's my thing. <laughs> I don't think it would slow. I think I'm a fat lazy slob that's never done anything versus Rick Grimes who's
1: a ex-police officer uh you know living surviving in the zombie apocalypse uh loses a hand. Exactly. comic book, you know, you know parallel worlds, he still feels that. Would that kind of injury slow
0: down John uh the, what's his face from Die Hard? John oh, John
1: McClane? No way. See? John, Mc- Yeah, okay, so you, well, you can't compare everybody to John McClane. I mean, John McClane's John McClane. You could put John McClane in the Death Star and he'd take the fucker out.
3: We, we, you know, would that kind uh, of injury
0: slow down um, Han Solo
1: in his prime? That's who Rick
3: Grimes we'll is. F-
1: we'll find out. Uh, yes, we we're might. We're getting three Han Solo movies. Three? Really? Three of them. I think there's going to be a
0: trilogy. It's going to be crazy. Sweet mother. That's awesome. All I'm saying is Rick Grimes is your Han Solo character. He's your hero. He's um, flawed, absolutely. But I think he could take a bullet to the side, just be grazed, and and be barely slowed slowed down by it. Okay, Han Solo is not the hero. He's the anti-hero. Ah, uh, well, some people will say. I bet you he's going
1: to be here the hero of his own movies well he probably is going to be the hero of his own movies i i'd be the hero of my own movies even though i don't actually technically meet the criteria for a protagonist uh-huh. <laughs> look up protagonist it has criteria uh-huh. and one of them is that i have to care about care about something so much that i'd be willing to be destroyed or destroyed to achieve it i it, i'm not like that i am not Protagonist material. Okay, barely a sidekick. Fair enough, but and therefore you
0: <laughs> couldn't handle being grazed by a bullet. I'm just. Do saying. Do you think Rick Grimes could survive being frozen in carbonite? Yeah, I think, I think, think Rick so? Grimes is up there. I mean, he, he might not be quite Han Solo level, but I think Rick Grimes is up there. He do wouldn't. You think Michonne will say "I love you," and he'll say "I know." Um, awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Is that the? Would Rick Grimes do that? No, he'd probably just smile or something. Or you know what? He'd stare at her with his with his acting eyes.
1: Oh, he'd yeah, he'd act, he'd eye eye act, and make her swoon is what he'd do. That's what he would do. See, he
0: that's right. Han Solo's got the one liners. Rick Grimes has the eyeballs. He does have eyeballs. That's true. <laughs> he does. All right. Anyways, who's next? You uh, next? Me Mo in Germany's number one <laughs> knife town. Nice.
1: I don't Maybe. know about that. Depends on, uh, yeah. Well, it depends on, you know, if it's, you know, manufactured, it's a, Germany's largest manufacturer of kin- kitchen knives. That's pretty nice. Especially that's if good. they're like the best knives in the world. Well, I would think with German craftsmanship that they'd be pretty damn good. There
0: you go. But if that's where you go when you want to get stabbed. Yeah. If it's a knifey town, that's something ty- entirely different. Well, Mo wrote knif- anyway. <laughs> Knife Town. Yeah. Uh, Mo writes, listen, did I just hear that? Did you just hear that? What the hell happened to Bear McCreary? I used to love his work, but this week's shitty soap opera music just jumped the also happy musical shark. That cheesy cheap shit score with the Kingdom Crew, when the Kingdom Crew arrives to blow some brains out, was just so out of place. What a mediocre season and what a foreseeable finale. Did anything happen this season? Just remind me, please, because I don't want to rewatch that season too soon, you
1: idiots. Okay, so I agree with everything you said about the music, except for the negative connota- connotation of that. It was... I'm... A... <laughs> so sh- <laughs> so it's I'm the opposite, Yeah, soap opera music, but you loved it. It was cheesy soap opera bullshit music from the 80s. I'm on board.
0: Yeah, I liked it too. When I rewatched it, I paid a little bit more attention. And when I went back to check a couple things based on people's emails here, I listened to it and it's, it's weirdly synthy, but... I thought it was cool. I thought it worked.
1: I'm, I'm sorry, wanna Mo. Makes me want to watch Terminator again.
0: Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, I think it was really good. But, you know, he does have a point. Bear McCreary, his his um, score for this show seems to have changed a lot over seven years. We wouldn't have gotten stuff like this in season two. No, we wouldn't have. Not at all. Because so, there was no action in season two. <laughs> okay season one <laughs> season three <laughs> yeah <laughs> season two was all like searching music
1: <laughs> yeah it was all looking around and uh you know having people be mad at each other
0: yes and barn <laughs> opening music anyways um i thought i'm on board with the bear mccreary still sorry mo but uh uh maybe it'll change it'll it'll keep evolving so so, uh, keep watching and we'll see where it goes for season, by the time we get to season 14, it'll be completely different. Maybe he'll have gone back to, uh, player piano type music by then.
3: Yeah.
1: And if, you know, to your point of, uh, you know, did anything happen this season? Maggie became the leader of the Hilltop, Or yeah. So that happened. Yeah, that happened. It took 16 episodes for that to happen. Jesus didn't do anything really. No. Hit out in a van for a while.
0: yeah. I
1: hit on the top of a truck for a little while. Yeah. Helped,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> Sasha died. Sasha died. That happened. Yeah. Otherwise, um, Negan had Rick under his thumb for most of the season, and they searched for some guns. That, that happened. Morgan, Morgan went crazy. That's important. And then came back, and then went crazy again. Yeah. And Carol left and came back for, you know, a bit there. Richard died. Remember that?
1: Yeah, that happened. Okay.
0: All right, let's let's let's
1: keep it going here. Yeah, so you don't have to rewatch it. Just, you know, note that stuff. Now, now you know that's the whole season. All right, next we have an email from Carrie in Melbourne, Australia. Recapping on earlier episodes, I do have something that has slightly been bugging me. In the episode where Heath went missing after Tara's visit to Oceanside crew, Tara found an access card with PPP written on it. To the best of my knowledge and memory, nothing has come of this, Right. At the time, it seemed to be a plot device that would go somewhere, however, went nowhere, as of yet, anyway. Perhaps next season it will come to be useful, or perhaps perhaps, deemed never to be spoken of again.
0: Well, when, when uh, Tara found that card, I agree. I thought that would come into play somehow. I thought it was important. It did seem to mean something at the time. But, I saw that card. I thought, that's a thing. Absolutely. So did I. Never came back hasn't shown up on the show since, hasn't even been mentioned. So that, you know, going full circle back to the beginning of this feedback episode about things that didn't play out in the season finale, I had forgotten about that. But I think this is one of the things that actually will come back in season eight. And if anyone, you know, hopefully people remember that she found it, Because otherwise they're going to be confused. Well, they'll do a
1: previously on and show it. And then everybody would be be like, okay, that's going to show up in this episode.
0: Well, sure. They're going to have to, because, you know, your your casual viewer might be like, what? Where did they get an access card to the back door of the sanctuary? You know, I don't remember that.
1: (laughs) So. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what uh, Eugene's been working on, right? He's been working on access control through electronic means. <laughs>
0: sure. Why not? He's working on all kinds of projects. Uh, yeah. He's got them on the go there. So uh, anyways, I do think it will come back, but I had forgotten about it until Carrie mentioned it. And uh, I wasn't disappointed that it wasn't in the season finale, but now we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. All right. One more. Mike in London writes, The Walking Dead is such a crazy show. We love it, but at the same time, it's full of things we hate. Jason, in particular, has really strong emotional reactions to everything. He loves characters like Simon, but hates the terrible CGI animals. So I'm desperately hoping that in season eight, there will be a scene with Steven Ogg riding a badly animated CGI deer just to see how Jason reacts. Either that or a poor quality CGI Ricky Gervais to really push him over the
1: edge. Oh, good lord. (laughs) <laughs> Please no Ricky Gervais. Oh, I mean, with the Stephen Ogg writing a bad CGI, whatever, I'd lose my shit. But uh, I, I, I probably would quit everything if Ricky Gervais showed up on the show. Well, um, Stephen, Og- it's really weird that you say that. I, you know, I either love or hate everything because in my normal everyday life, I'm usually pretty meh about <laughs> stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: just this, just this, I guess. Uh,
0: yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, you have strong opinions about this and everything else, just kind of whatever. But, yeah. um, I think Stephen Ogg riding a badly animated CGI deer would make the deer look better because Stephen Ogg is on it.
1: Oh yeah. I would, I would not see the deer. I'd be like, what deer? He was just, you know, hovering in the air in, you know, a cloud of pure awesomeness. <laughs> With his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh,
0: and I'm not a big Ricky Gervais fan either. I'm afraid, so uh, uh, I don't want him on the show either. What if he comes as a zombie, Ricky Gervais zombie?
1: As long as he's not talking, I think it'd be okay. All right, fair enough. As long as, If he doesn't say anything, I think I could stand it. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay quiet, you. Yeah.
0: All right, thanks so much, everyone, for writing in. As I said off the top, I still have a plenty of emails to go through so maybe next week if there is some stuff in there that you know we didn't really address here or that i think is is um uh, worth getting on the show then we'll do another feedback episode maybe probably shorter but uh, we'll see how that goes but that is going to do it for this one don't let that stop you though if you do want to keep sending in your thoughts and comments we really appreciate that You can send them to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or visit the website and click on Send Voicemail to record yourself. Um, Check us out on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And please remember the deadline for the Record Your Favorite Scene contest is this coming Monday. April the 10th at 11.59 p.m., basically the end of the day, Eastern time. And then we'll announce our winner uh, the following week on uh, April 17th. Well, Jason, that more or less does it for Season 7 in terms of, uh, you know, the way we cover it. Um, And it's been fun. Season 7 has been not my favorite, but, you know, that's okay. Not every season can be my favorite.
1: Well, We'll we'll have a better perspective on it in 10 or 12 years. We probably will. And
0: in fact, I bet you will have a better perspective on it in about four weeks from now, one, two, three, four, because we're going to be doing our season seven wrap-up crossover episodes that we do every year with Jason and Karen from The Walking Dead cast. We're going to be recording that on the weekend of Friday, May the 5th, so... It might not be out that day, but sometime over that weekend, we'll probably get it out. So um, make sure you tune in for that. That's always super fun to do because we just get to, you know, hang out with our friends, talk about The Walking Dead and just get a, sometimes a different perspective, get, uh, you know, a little extra conversation going there. So mm-hmm. we'll be doing that in about a month. Um, but before then, of course, you and I will have a, at least a couple more podcasts uh, to do, so Um, please keep listening, and if you don't stick with us through the off-season, well, great to have you on board, and we do hope you come back in October when The Walking Dead is back on, but don't forget, we've got Fear the Walking Dead coming in uh, the summer as well, and I heard some news about that, Jason, which is going to be sort of different for us, because apparently... It's going to be a 15 or 16 episode season, but they're going to do two episodes, the first two on the same night. Oh my God. And then they're going to do seven and eight on the same night, uh, you know, five weeks later or whatever with four in between. That's cool. So I think that's happened before. I think they've done that once before and you and I covered one episode and then the next, you know, midway through the week. Yeah. So we'll see what we're going to do there. And then you had a baby. So, uh you stopped podcasting altogether for a while, but I did. you're not having another baby, are you this summer? Not right now. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyways, we've got that coming up as well too. So, you know, no rest for Walking Dead podcasters. And uh, that's the way we like it. All right. um, So maybe we'll be back next week. I have a feeling we will. And if not, uh, get those entries into the contest and, and uh, there you go. Until then, My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye.